Section 23 of Three Years in Europe, or Places I Have Seen and People I Have Met. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Three Years in Europe, or Places I Have Seen and People I Have Met, by William Wells Brown. Letter 23. Footnote. This letter is rather out of its proper place here. I had mislaid the manuscript, and my distance from the printer prevented the matter being rectified. In another edition, the transposition can be effected. End of footnote. Aberdeen. Passage by steamer. Edinburgh. Visit to the college. William and Ellen Craft. I have visited few places where I found more warm friends than in Aberdeen. This is the granite city of Scotland. Aberdeen reminds one of Boston, especially in a walk down Union Street, which is said to be one of the finest promenades in Europe. The town is situated on a neck of land between the rivers Dee and Don, and is the most important place in the north of Scotland. During our third day in the city, we visited, among other places, the old bridge of Don, which is not only resorted to on account of its antique celebrity and peculiar appearance, but also because of the notoriety that it has gained by Lord Byron's poem of the Bridge of Don. An engagement to be in Edinburgh and vicinity cut short our stay in the north. The very mild state of the weather and a wish to see something of the coast between Aberdeen and Edinburgh induced us to make the journey by water. On Friday evening, the 14th, after delivering a lecture before the Total Abstinence Society, in company with William and Ellen Craft, I went on board the steamer bound for Edinburgh. On reaching the vessel, we found the drawing-room almost entirely at our service, and prejudice against color being unknown, we had no difficulty in getting the best accommodation which the steamer could furnish. This is so unlike the pro-slavery, negro-hating spirit of America, that the crafts seemed almost bewildered by the transition. I had been in the saloon but a short time, when, looking at the newspapers on the table, I discovered the North Star. It was like meeting with a friend in a strange land. I looked in vain on the margin for the name of its owner, but as I did not feel at liberty to take it, and as it appeared to be alone, I laid the liberator by its side to keep it company. The night was a glorious one. The sky was without a speck, and the clear, piercing air had a brilliancy I have seldom seen. The moon was in its zenith. The steamer and surrounding objects were beautiful in the extreme. The boat got under way at a little past twelve, and we were soon out at sea. The Queen is a splendid craft, and without the aid of sails was able to make fifteen miles within the hour. I was up the next morning before the sun, and found the sea, as on the previous night, as calm and smooth as a mirror. It was a delightful morning, more like April than February, and the sun, as it rose, seemed to fire every peak of the surrounding hills. On our left lay the island of May, while to the right was to be seen the small fishing-town of Anstruther, 
twenty miles distant from Edinburgh. Beyond these, on either side, was a range of undulating blue mountains, swelling as they retired, into a bolder outline and a loftier altitude, until they terminated some twenty-five or thirty miles in the dim distance. A friend at my side pointed out a place on the right, where the remains of an old castle or lookout house, used in the time of the border wars, once stood, and which reminded us of the barbarism of the past. But these signs are fast disappearing. The plough and roller have passed over many of these foundations, and the time will soon come when the antiquarian will look in vain for those places that history has pointed out to him as connected with the political and religious struggles of the past. The steward of the vessel came round to see who of the passengers wished for breakfast, and as the keen air of the morning had given me an appetite, and there being no prejudice on the score of color, I took my seat at the table, and gave ample evidence that I was not an invalid. On returning to the deck again, I found we had entered the fourth, and that modern Athens was in sight, and, far above every other object, with its turrets almost lost in the clouds, could be seen Edinburgh Castle. After landing, a pleasant ride over one of the finest roads in Scotland, with a sprinkling of beautiful villas on either side, brought us once more to Cannon's Hotel. In a city like Edinburgh, there is always something to keep the public alive, but during our three days' stay in the town, on this occasion, there were topics under discussion which seemed to excite the people, although I had been told that the Scotch were not excitable. Indeed, all Edinburgh seemed to have gone mad about the Pope. If His Holiness should think fit to pay a visit to his new dominions, I would advise him to keep out of reach of the Scotch. In company with the crafts, I visited the Calton Hill, from which we had a delightful view of the city and surrounding country. I had an opportunity during my stay in the city of visiting the infirmary, and was pleased to see among the two or three hundred students three colored young men seated upon the same benches with those of a fairer complexion. And yet there appeared no feeling on the part of the whites towards their colored associates, except of companionship and respect. One of the cardinal truths both of religion and freedom is the equality and brotherhood of man. In the sight of God and all just institutions, the whites can claim no precedence or privilege on account of their being white, and if colored men are not treated as they should be in the educational institutions in America, it is a pleasure to know that all distinction ceases by crossing the broad Atlantic. I had scarcely left the lecture-room of the Institute and reached the street when I met a large number of the students on their way to the college, and here again were seen colored men arm-in-arm arm with whites. The proud American who finds himself in the splendid streets of Edinburgh and witnesses such scenes as these can but behold in them the degradation of his own country, whose laws would make slaves of these same young men should they appear in the streets of Charleston or New Orleans. After all, our country is the most despotic in the wide world, and to expose and hold it up to the scorn and contempt of other nations is the duty of every colored man who would be true to himself and his race. During my stay in Edinburgh, 
I accepted an invitation to breakfast with the great champion of philosophical phrenology. Few foreigners are more admired in America than the author of The Constitution of Man. Footnote. George Comby, Esquire. End of footnote. Although not far from seventy years of age, I found him apparently as active and as energetic as many men of half that age. He was much pleased with Mr. and Mrs. Craft, who formed a part of the breakfast party. It may be a pleasure to the friends of these two fugitive slaves to know that they are now the inmates of a good school, where they are now being educated. For this, they are mainly indebted to that untiring friend of the slave, John B. Estlin, Esquire, of Bristol, whose zeal and cooperation with the American abolitionists have gained for him an undying name with the friends of freedom in the new world. End of letter 23. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. End of Three Years in Europe, or Places I Have Seen and People I Have Met, by William Wells Brown.